Welcome to That's a Good Question, a podcast of Peace Church. This is a place where we answer questions about the Christian faith in plain language. I'm John. I get to serve as one of the pastors here at Peace, and I also get to serve as the weekly host of this show. Our purpose here is to help people grow in their knowledge of the Bible and their walk with the Lord by answering questions. So please submit questions at peacechurch.cc slash questions. We're always happy to hear them. We don't get to them all every week, but we love to receive them and we get to them eventually. And today, got some exciting questions for us. We got... uh, with us today, Pastor Ryan, lead pastor of Peace Church. Hello. Great thanks. to have you, brother. Thanks for having me. And our questions are going to spiral off something that we're in the midst of as a church right now. So right now we are uh, launching, we just launched this past Sunday into a capital campaign uh, where we are taking a spiritual journey as a church, praying and seeking the Lord about how he would call each of us to be generous and sacrificial and how we might give to expanding our facility so we can reach more people. We've been... Uh, I think some in our church would say that we've been beyond capacity for the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, I think we've definitely arrived at that point, at least by now. And so we're looking at expanding the facility so that we can reach more people. So here's the question. We're asking for money right now. What's the difference between us asking for money and one of the popular prosperity gospel preachers asking for money? Yeah, that's a very valid and fair question. And uh, it's something that you need to have an answer for if you're going through a capital campaign. But I think for those of us who are listening who may not be entirely familiar with even some of these turn terms, how would you go about even defining what the prosperity gospel is? Yeah, good question for sure. Um, I think there's a ton we could say about that. We'll just to ease our way into it, I think one of the staples of the prosperity gospel is this equation that if you do this, then you will get this. Um, if you give money, then you will get even more back in return. Um, or just, or the, another piece of it, I think would be this promise that to be a Christian means that things are going to go well for you. That if you have just, if you just have enough faith, then things are going to work out well for you in this world. Yeah. I would say that the notion of if you give, then God will double it back to you is an implication of it. But I think when I think about the prosperity gospel and those who I've listened to, who are clearly prosperity gospel preachers. It, the, for me, what I pick up is the general notion that um, God's desire for those who follow him are to be rich and healthy. Mm. And if you're, not, if you're following God and you're not rich and healthy, then it's because you lack faith. Mm. And therefore, then that plays out with things like, so demonstrate you have faith by sending in your 50 bucks to mm. fund whatever the TV preacher is trying to get you to give to. So for me, it's this notion of um, the prosperity gospel is not just prosperity in financially, but also you prosper in your health. Right. I got to jump in on one thing that you just said. You said TV preachers. For those who are listening who don't know, TV (laughs) is this thing that people used to watch because people used to be on these things called channels. Now they're just on YouTube. Okay. So so the screen on your phone, that bigger screen that hangs on your wall, at one point that was called a TV. It wasn't connected to the internet. There's these things called like waves, TV and radio waves that came through the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, the, the, and not just, all right, so the, the, maybe not TV preachers, the online, the yeah, online yeah. personas. Um, but generally speaking, the, the prosperity gospel is that those who follow God, um, following God results in financial wealth and um, 
in the fact that you're very healthy, that you, that you don't get sick or when you do get sick, you automatically get healed. And so if you're, if you're poor or unhealthy, it's because you are not faithful enough or you're not giving enough. Yeah. And that's the, obviously that's, there's, I hope, I hope those who are listening would hear that already their flags would go up and be like, Whoa, sure. something's going on here. So back to the question of how are we different from those prosperity gospel preachers? I would say the first thing is our, in our theology, we would never say that God is promising that you will be financially wealthy and perfectly healthy for your entire life. We would never say that. In addition, we're not saying that if you give to this cause, to this, to, um, to this campaign, we're not saying that's going to result in you being wealthy or healthy. I think the best thing I can say you're going to get from giving to this campaign is number one, a deep satisfaction that you're contributing to something awesome God's doing in this world. Uh, you can say that you are being faithful and responding to the moving of God as you discern how much he's calling you to give towards this. And uh, that's, I mean, that's, I think those are, that's pretty, pretty clear distinction between what we're saying and doing and what prosperity gospel preachers are doing. Um, and to give like the radical extreme, I'm not going to be buying a private jet <laughs> with what people are giving, nor would I be boasting about that, um, on my social media. Right. Right. For sure. Yeah. So you're not planning on promising everybody a money back guarantee that if you're, if you're not perfectly healthy at the end of this campaign, then money back. Absolutely not. And that's why I think I jumped to that at the beginning of the definition was because I think that you're right. That is an outworking of the theology. Um, but that is kind of a staple, I think, of of those kind of preachers is that um, if you do this, then you will get this. It's like an equation as if um, as if you can sort of earn something from God, I think, is is in there. Yeah. Yeah. So let me can I, can we just play this off for a second then? Yeah. So what would you then say to someone who says to you, well, Pastor John, are you saying that God, God wants me to be poor and sick? Mm. What's the, what's the flip of that then? Yeah. So no, God doesn't want you to be poor and sick, but what I say is we look at the Bible and we look at the overall storyline that God created a world that it was perfectly good. And then Adam and Eve sinned and sin came into the world. The world became broken and messed up. And then sickness is in there. Uh, we sin against God. Uh, there's diseases, there's um, natural disasters. There's all kinds of bad things now that are part of our existence in this world until the day when Jesus returns and makes all things new and better and perfect. And so what I'd say is that actually God does desire for us to be perfectly healthy and to have all that we might need or all that would fill our hearts with ultimate joy. And we will one day get that when we are with him in heaven and eternal life. Um, But right now we're still in that in between where Jesus has come, died for our sins, and yet we're walking by faith until we get to inherit the fullness of of his gift to us, um, the fullness of salvation where all things are made new. Yep. Often what I tell people is, uh, we still live on the broken side of eternity. Right. You know, God is going to do is doing a great work. Christ has come. He's coming back to bring the final redemption and restoration of all things. But we still live on the broken side of eternity where yeah. sin and sickness uh, still have some sway in this world. But I think, you know, God is working things for our, ultimately for our good. That doesn't always mean immediately that everything's going to be good, but ultimately God's working for the good of those who love him. Right. So let's bring in some scripture even that kind of makes this point also just thinking about different parts of scripture that point to the fact that we as Christians are not designed to be totally free of suffering. Jesus was clear about that. He told us that we should expect tribulation and trouble and affliction. Um, I think of passages in the Psalms, many are the afflictions of the righteous. You know, scripture is pretty clear that Christians should expect suffering. I think of 
The book of First Peter talks a ton about the suffering that Christians are going to go through in this life. That's something we should expect. Think about Jesus' own life. Matthew 8, Jesus says, foxes have holes, birds have nests. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus had a, a trying and difficult life and then ultimately was tortured and killed at the end. Yep. Uh, things were not healthy and wealthy for Jesus. Um, Paul often recounts, or, I mean, it may, may be an overstatement. Paul recounts troubles that he's endured in right. times. Uh, he's not shy about sharing that. He talks about the thorn in his side. We don't know exactly what that means, but we know that he dealt with trouble yeah. um, on a consistent basis in his life. And you see even times where like uh, Timothy's sick and Paul's saying, hey, you should take a little little something, something for that. I won't share what that is, but <laughs> That's you can does. read the Bible for yourself. <laughs> yep. But but yeah, no, I think when you, when you see the New Testament, it's it's rife with examples of how even those who follow God endure hardships and trials at times. And Paul talks about, he knows how it, he knows what it's like to have enough money and he knows what it's like to not have enough money. Um, and that's, there's an ebb and flow to that on this side of eternity. But what we are longing for is for the renewal and redemption of all things. That's why we are just praying for Christ to return. Right. And let me, let me bring in maybe a, a one or two passages that I think people can misinterpret in the mm, wrong direction yeah. on this. So, one of those passages is Genesis 12, uh, the covenant that God makes with Abraham. He promises him blessing. Um, he promises him, we always talk about kind of three things that he promises him. He promises him the blessing of descendants, of land, and uh, that he will be a blessing to the nations. Um, but that word blessing, what does that really mean? Is it is it just money? Is it just wealth? Or is there something altogether different in there? It's something that I like to talk about when we talk about this topic. And that actually true blessing in the Bible is is a relationship with God. Ultimate blessing is having a relationship with God that starts now and lasts into eternity. Yeah, it's living the righteous life before God as he's, plan- as he's, as he's laid out for us. I think it's Psalm 1. Blessed is the one, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers. That his delight is in the law of the Lord. Yeah. It's those who follow God and follow his ways. Yeah, I think of the Psalm to say, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I think uh, that passage in specific is pointing to the idea that the ultimate desire of our heart is the Lord himself. So when you delight yourself in the Lord, you get all that your heart could ever want. You get God. Because you're delighting in the, that that's it being played out. Yeah. Your delight in the Lord is your heart getting its ultimate desire. Right. So blessing is not simply money or health. Right. Ultimate right. blessing is in God. Money and wealth or money and health can be a blessing from God. And we get that in different proportions in this life. But ultimately, we will be with God, and that's the that's the those biggest who are blessing. sick. You've, I mean, I know you've talked with people who are sick and dealing with cancer who feel blessed, even yeah. in the midst of that sickness and brokenness and disease. Those who are not experiencing a a time of financial flourishing can feel very blessed yeah. in what God has provided, and because I mean, and it also kind of you kind of look at this the standard of what what does that even mean to be financially blessed? I'd say people on the lower side of um, middle incomes in America are among the richest people who have ever existed mm-hmm. on the face of the planet. And so the fact, I mean, I don't want to make a blanket, st- blank, blanket, uh, blanket, what am I trying to say here? <laughs> blanket, blanket, yep. blanket statement, um, about this. But I mean, the fact that if you, if you, if you can afford to go to Starbucks and buy coffee without it impacting your wallet, you are among the richest people who have ever sure. lived ever on the planet. And so, yeah, I think we want to underscore what, what do it mean by blessing? Cause that word is yeah. so abundantly used 
rightfully so in the Christian world, but by some segments, uh, it is a warped understanding of what blessing actually is. Right. So, I mean, like I can say loud and proud right here now, every Christian will be blessed. You put your faith in Jesus, you're going to be blessed. That's true. Now, I think you have to be careful and explain what that means, because I would go on to say that doesn't necessarily seem mean money and health. That means eternal blessing. And you might experience some other good things in this life. But you just have to be so I, I can very easily say that. Yes, all Christians, you put your faith in Jesus, you will be blessed. But blessing according to the terms of the Bible, not just worldly terms, how we might think of blessing. Sweet. So, Pastor Ryan, other question. What are some subtle ways that prosperity theology might sneak into um, other preaching or even other everyday Christian thinking? You know, so there are those who intentionally have this theology and they preach it and they teach it and Christians live that way. But what about those who don't intend on purpose to walk down the road of prosperity theology? How does it sneak into other preaching and, and other Christian thinking? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Um, I think part of it is, is we live in a society that's tr- transactional by nature. Mm. We're used to giving and getting things all the time. And so I think in a lot of ways, we just inadvertently, sometimes that just sneaks into the notion of even our faith. Like when we think about giving money, uh, in our world, you give money to get something. Money is a tool that you use in exchange for goods and services. And so I think a lot of times when people bring that in subtly, this notion of like, well, if I, if I do, if I find faithful with giving, then I must be getting something in return. And I think that is just, that's inherent for the way that we use money in every other instance in our life. Um, whether we're buying groceries or saving for college or something to that effect. So I'd say that's one of the ways um, yeah. is that just this whole notion that we use money exclusively for that purpose in every other sphere. Well, and I even hear stories from um, from very well-meaning Christian brothers and sisters about that. The new Christians, I've, I've heard this story a couple of times from, from a new Christian who started coming to our church and and they start giving and they they maybe tell a story of, oh man, last Sunday I gave for the first time, I gave 20 bucks and man, you wouldn't believe it. The following week I found 30 bucks in my, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. in my dryer or something. And it's like, see, man, God totally delivers on his promises. And I kind of go, oh, wait, wait a minute. That's, that's not, that's not the equation. That's not, that's not quite how it works. That's cool that you found some money and right. maybe that is, right. you know, the Lord's blessing for that week, but that's not how, how giving works. That's yeah, exactly. That's not something you can expect every single time. Um, and you know, something like that for us, we, I I just want to push back on that, you know, like, um, I mean, I feel like, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm glad that you are open. Your eyes are open to see where God is going to continue to bless you and stuff, but that's not, that's not what you can expect every single time. And I'm not sure you can really make a direct correlation. Um, all things come from the hand of God either way. And I don't know. I mean, did, did that recently happen to you? We'll be right back after this break. Hi, I'm Elizabeth, one of the co-hosts of Mom Guilt, a podcast with new episodes every Monday. Mom Guilt is a podcast about the daily struggles of motherhood. Stephanie and I share real experiences of Mom Guilt and how we have found freedom from that guilt through the gospel. Listen to us on resoundmedia.cc or wherever you find podcasts. Not super recently, but it, it yeah, it's happened. Something like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I can think of two times off the top of my head that I've had new yeah, so, say that. I mean, on the flip side, I say that. And then on the other end, I also can say, um, and I said this before, I, I don't feel like I can outgive God. Like every time I do give, I feel like it's not that we get something in back. It's just that 
God's blessing continues to, to, to appear more abundantly. So if anything, I guess you could, one of the things you could say is that when you give and when you're being faithful, you're, you're growing in your faith and therefore you have more eyes of faith to see where those blessings mm. already have and you're already happening in your life. Um, and I think that's part of it too, is like when you give and you're generous and you're responding to God's blessing and when you, when you respond to that, that's an act of faith. You're growing in your faith by doing that. Your eyes are becoming more attuned to see, see the world through the lens of faith. And then by doing that, I think you do end up seeing how God is al- always blessing you. Um, Cause here's the reality. I mean, I know we're picking on a um, anecdotal type story, but that $30 was in your dryer. You're going to find it one way or another. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Like, um, but it's just nice to know that, Hey, well, or, or even if, if God miraculously put $30 in your dryer, that, that, that wasn't a, you gave 20, so I gave you back 30. That's what I'm saying. Like the whole transactional approach to how we use money. Don't, you can't think about it like that. Right. That you're, God's this magic vending machine that you put money into. And instead of getting the one candy bar, oops, two comes out now, you know? Right. Um, that's not how it works. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's easy to sort of think that way. Any other, uh, Ways that prosperity theology sneaks into our thinking. I think that, you know, what we talked about is like the biggest and most um, insidious, but also sneaky way that it does that this whole notion, like it's a tit for tat, you know, pre pro type approach to um, our finances. And especially when we're, when we give, we give out of the abundance of God's faith towards us. And we're just responding to that. And the whole notion of it's more blessed to give than receive. And so mm-hmm. I think the blessing comes in giving. And when you truly understand that, um, I think you just, your desire to give increases not because of what you get in response in the transaction sense, but just the blessing of giving is so abundant, so beautiful. Well, so let's talk about maybe that transactional way of thinking, even in terms of other things, maybe even in, not in terms of money, but maybe if, like if we, if when we pray to God, we say, well, God, I'll do this if you'll do this, or we think, God, I'll stop doing this if you'll do this for me. You run into anybody that thinks that way? So, um, our producer Mitchell thinks like that. So <laughs> <laughs> sorry, 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 Mitchell. Uh, <laughs> That should be a staple now. That should that we just blame him for everything. <laughs> so Mitchell's not like that. He, I think he's the theologically strongest one of us all. So yeah. He does not think that. Um, I'd say, you know, along those same lines, this notion of, um, I think how it continues plays out. Like if, if someone is buying into the prosperity thing, um, consciously or subconsciously, they, one of the ways that plays out is they, they give and maybe they're not experiencing the blessing that they think they should be giving. So therefore they start giving all the more to try and get more of blessing or, or they're th- like, you know, they gave 50 bucks and they didn't experience the blessing like they were thought they're going to. So next week they're going to have a hundred dollars because they're trying to buy blessing and they're not thinking that maybe they're not, they're not given enough to get the blessing from God. I think that might be another way that sometimes that plays out um, yeah. with that notion of if I do this, then God, you're going to do this. And so, well, maybe I didn't come through on my end of the bargain, so I need to do more. What about the flip side too of um, negative consequences from God? Do you do you run into that where people say, "Well, man, I did this, and so God is going to do this negative thing to me"? What do we think about that thing? So, like, um, you didn't use this word, but you talking about maybe like an act of curse, like this yeah, notion of yeah. like I did something bad, and now God's going to curse me yeah. and make it all the more. Work. Yeah, no, I, 
I think there's the, there's, that's not how it works. I think there's the general curse that we live in, in this world, this world's been cursed by sin. And when we sin, it's not that God's actively cursing us. We're just experiencing the negative, the unhealthy fruit of our actions. When you, when you enter into sin and you commit sin, guess what's going to happen? Bad things will ultimately happen to you. Um, that's so I, that's one of the ways I think I would push back on that. Yeah. I, I've just, I've heard a number of people say that, you know, they've said, oh man, pastor, I, you know, I'm, I'm experiencing this right now. And I think it's because I did this Oh, and I go, well, I go, well, you know, yes, there are consequences for our sin, but it it's also, it's that transactional mindset. Like you said, of it doesn't work like that in terms of that. God just says, well, you did this. And so I'm going to punish you in an equal amount. Now scripture is clear that the Lord disciplines us for our good. So he, you know, he might bring consequences into our yeah. lives in order to teach us, to train us away from unrighteous things. But it's not a tit for tat. It's not a one for one. Um, you did this. And so now you're going to get this. Or the notion of someone says, I cheated on my taxes. And so God sent the IRS after me. It's like, <laughs> God didn't send that. That just what's happened, bro. Yeah, right. You know, like, um, so that notion of like that, 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 uh, I don't know what the theological term would be, but those sort of like specific curses, God doesn't do that. Sure. Yeah. I think it comes back to that. It comes back to the other transactional piece that um, I think prosperity gospel talks about so much is is faith. It talks about faith as a, as a quantitative thing that if you have enough of it, a certain amount of it, then you earn something from God, you get something from God. I think that's kind of a similar way that I hear it talked about. Yeah. So it's like, you know, one misunderstanding I think people have is you, know, you read Proverbs and Proverbs is sort of general wisdom for life. That's the genre of what Proverbs are, that this is something that is generally true, that if you live according to this, that's a, that's, that's a good way to live. That's wise in this world. Um, but sometimes people take that as if it's a promise that if I do this, then I will get something good. And I think Job is the counter story to that. And that Job is introduced in chapter one as being like the greatest of all men. He's, he's great. He's righteous. He walks before the Lord in the right way. And yet everything goes wrong. So Job is kind of a counter narrative to the idea of the prosperity gospel. Yeah. I think Proverbs too, you, you know, we're talking about Proverbs Proverbs are principles. They're general principles. They're not promises. Yeah. Um, you see, like you're just saying, there's stories within the Bible that would quote unquote contradict Proverbs if you were to take Proverbs as prop as promises or mandates um, versus general principles for for righteous living. And so, well, so related to this topic, this past Sunday you preached a sermon on the goodness of God, and I actually I got to be in the prayer room afterwards and had. Um, two people come up to me and uh, separately and, and both asking for prayer and specifically they share just about some bad things that had happened to them recently, some, some negative circumstances and how that was causing a challenge for them to trust that God is good, which is something we experience commonly as Christians. So to respond to that, I would say God is good because he's good in and of himself. And part of the ways we see that is when there's times where he's good to, to us. But the fact that we live in a sinful, broken world isn't proof that God is um, bad. The fact that bad things happen to us isn't proof that God is bad. I mean, partly because scripture never makes that qualification or standard. I mean, that's not how scripture reveals who God is. That's not how God has revealed himself in scripture whatsoever. What we know is that God is with us when times are bad and even more so when times go bad even when times are not good, the reason we can have hope is because God is good. Yeah. Our hope that we have is 
contingent on the fact that God is good. Because God is good, we can have hope that whatever we're going through, God will make right in the end. And so I get it though. I mean, when bad things happen, that's, those are times that our faith gets tested. Absolutely. And people who are going through those times need to be um, um, talked with and loved with a shepherd's heart and um, not to automatically, um, you know, demean them or question their faith, but walk alongside them and remind them of the truths of scripture that they're living into, or they're, they're employing a cultural notion of a general God, not the specific notion of the revealed God in scripture. Yeah. And we have to point people back to that, like crush the cultural God that we've crafted in our own minds and point us to the actual God who's revealed himself through scripture that does not promise that things will always be, be good, but he is good and he's going to be good through it. Um, and we lean on him with our ultimate hope of the final restoration when, when, when all the sin and brokenness has been, been, been brought to judgment. Right. And I would say this is really the, um, sort of the, the ultimate or the, or the typological temptation that human beings face. Think of the garden, right? The, in the garden, uh, Eve is talking to Satan, the snake, and he's tempting her to believe that God is not good. See, God told you you couldn't eat of all the fruit. Oh man, God, God must not be a good guy because he's not, not trustworthy. Yeah, he's not trustworthy because he doesn't let you eat of this tree. So it's the temptation going all the way back to the beginning. To are we going to believe that God is good because He tells us He's good and we've seen it, or are we going to be swayed by the voice of Satan, our circumstances, to just I, think He's not good? Seriously, I mean, I when I if you think about it, I think the most terrifying possibility out there is that God is not good. That there is a God and he's not good is without question the most terrifying notion that's possibly conceivable. Um, the fact that there's an all-powerful creator uh, who can command anything and everything at any moment, and that being's not good, that is utterly terrifying. Oh, yeah. Um, and I just don't think in their heart hearts people believe that. I think sure. people experience terrible times. And they're just trying to reconcile that. And that's one of the ways totally. they, they process it. And we see that all throughout scripture, the psalmists and others, you know, experience that. I've, I've, I've felt that my, myself. I've asked myself that question. You know, all these bad things are happening. Can the Lord really be good? For um, however bad things are, it's not as bad as if God was bad. Sure. Totally. Totally. <laughs> well, I mean, if God was not good, then we can't even trust the good promises of the Bible, um, which means that we have no hope that good things are coming in the future. So that's, that's a whole different bad world to live in. But one of the Psalms I thought of on Sunday was Psalm 77. It's one of my, one of my favorites, one of mine that I go to when things are, things are tough. The, the opening of the Psalm asks the question, um, has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he forever shut up his compassion? So it's asking that question, is God still good? Has he forgotten about me? Um, and then ultimately the Psalm turns and says, but I will remember um, the years of the right hand of the most high. It talk, and it goes on to recount the good deeds of the Lord going back to the Exodus. Um, and so throughout Christian history or throughout the, the history of God's people. Um, and we can do the same thing. We can look at the Bible and recount the history of God's goodness to us. And even look in our own lives and recount the, the history of God's goodness to us. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah. Amen to that. Cool. Well, thanks brother. Thanks Amen. for the time. Thanks, Thank thanks everybody for listening. It's been mm -hmm. great to spend some time with you. If you have more questions, please submit them. Peacechurch.cc slash questions. We love getting to try to answer these biblical questions in plain language. Can we, thanks so much. Actually, hold on. I want to add one thing to that because yeah. this is something we've been dealing with. And I want to, for those who listen, um, I think sometimes people have questions and um, 
They don't know where to ask or how to ask. And so that's what we're providing this for. But sometimes people have a question that they don't necessarily want it talked about broadly. Um, mm-hmm. If you'd like a one of the pastors to respond to you personally, um, it, it is a very, very small number of people who see the questions that are, ans- that are asked. Mm-hmm. If you could include some contact information, um, one of our pastors would follow up if you want that. But we'd also very much encourage you, if you have these questions, someone else also does. So ask them and, and allow us to talk about them more broadly. You can find That's a Good Question at resoundmedia.cc or wherever you listen to podcasts.